Music, industry talk, stories, equipment and more. We are Crossfader and this is Off 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 Off, off the Record. Off the Record. Off the Record. Welcome back to Off the Record with myself, Jamie Hartley. I'm here with Lawrence James. Hello there. And a very special guest. Now, before I introduce him, I just want to, for anyone that's watching on YouTube, explain that, yeah, I'm in the Serato studio in London. We are in London, the nation's capital. Yep, we've travelled here today to meet Blakey, who's just sat to the side of us here. And Blakey is Serato's artist relation rep here in the UK and in Europe. Um, but I'm going to let him tell you all about who he is and his role here at Serato. In this podcast, we're going to be diving into, you know, the future of Serato, where, you know, what Blakey thinks for the brand and also, you know, answering some of your questions as well yep. that you put across on Instagram. Yep. Um, it's just going to be a good conversation with one of the main guys here in the UK, Repping Serato. So, hello, Blakey. Blakey. Hello. Hi. Hey, all right, mate. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And no, yeah, welcome to the London studio. Thank you so much. It's Thanks a pleasure. For... I've been once before. It's first time for Lawrence. First time here. Thank you for um, inviting us down here. No problem. Have a little chat. Yep. Um, yeah. So, Blakey, do you just want to let everyone know what your role is here? you know, at Serato and in this studio and, and kind of just let everyone know. Yeah, so I'm the European Artist Relations Rep. This is the Artist Relations Studio. So um, Artist Relations is an extension of marketing. So this is where we invite artists down. They can learn more about the products, about the software. As you guys know, Serato is evolving constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in the role for nearly three years now and the software is at a different place to where it was three years ago. So yeah. there's constantly things that artists need to learn about. New features, new hardware. We shoot videos here. We do events here. Um, it's an invite only thing. So I do a lot of outreach to yeah. DJs who are out there using Serato, people yeah. who are important in their community. And I reach out, invite them down. If nice. they can't come down, we connect on the phone yeah. and they can ask me whatever they need to ask me. Club kit is something that I show people here every <laughs> single day because that's the most important one. Yeah. So it's a bit of a higher level of troubleshooting, a higher level of support just for the people that are out there working. Making, relation, making relationships with good DJs. And yeah, yeah, totally. And building that trust as well yeah. because I'm, I'm that person that DJs phone at, 1am on a Saturday night yeah. and say, Drunk. this, this isn't working. <laughs> Can you help me out? Yeah. Um, I'm I, I, nine times out of 10. It's actually quite a simple thing to fix if yeah. you know how to fix it. So yeah, that's yeah. great. But every now and then you do get that call where you, <laughs> you kind of know that their computer might, might have had it, might have kicked the bucket and that's, yeah. that's tough. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but for the most part, um, it's all good. I can just help people out over the phone, over WhatsApp when they need it. And nice. So how did these people land in your lap? I know obviously you said you've, you've outreached out. and reached out to some people maybe that you know and, and keep your ear open, but do you get um, put in touch with people through Serato's head office, through other Serato team members? Um, where does it kind of, where's the line of, where's the support coming from yeah. these certain artists? So that's mostly my job. Your job. Um, yeah. Every now and then, one of the guys in New York, shout out to Derek and OP. Okay. And maybe one of the guys in LA, shout out to Sonny and Matt. They might yep. put me in touch with a US artist that's traveling. Yeah. And yep. going to go see Blakey at the studio. Yep. Um, other than that, that's down to me. Yeah. Um, Instagram is brilliant for reaching out to DJs because yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. gets the message and yeah. pretty much everyone reads it. Yeah. So I 
I keep an eye on on who's out there and who might need my help. That's interesting that you say that because that straight away says to me, okay, the DJs that are wanting to make it and wanting to get out there, Instagram is probably an important platform to be showcasing yeah. your work, showcasing and, who you yeah, are. And Serato are watching. There you go, yeah. yeah straight from go. the man himself. So, no deal. Um, what I will say is um, some advice to DJs out yes. there. If you are a DJ, yeah. Have some pictures of you DJing on your IG because yeah. yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised at how far back you have to scroll to just see them DJing to see what they're using. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if I yeah. if I jump on someone's IG and and they're dope and I see they're using Serato, I'll hit them up. Right. Nice. Amazing. That is a great tip. Great tip. Um, so going back, you know, obviously you're in this role now, um, but how did you come to this position? Who is Blakey? Where did you yep. start? Where you know, you what's start? your story? So, so how far would you like me to go back? Let's go right back. Let's because go back. we have okay. a lot back of beginner DJs listening and yeah. their journey of how they're starting and how it can relate to others. So, cool. so I'm 34 and I, yeah. st- I got my first set of decks when I was 12. So 22 years ago now. Nice. Um, but the story goes back a little bit further than that. So before I had my own set of decks, my brother, who is two years older than me, he got a set of decks um, with some friends. So three of them bought some decks and they they were at um, his friend Ollie's place. And I remember going around there, I must have been 10 or 11. And I loved music anyway. And I went around there and just seeing people playing music just blew my mind and I got quite obsessed with it from then right but I couldn't get I I tried to use those decks as much as possible but they weren't happy with that at all um so when I was 12 I finally got my own set of decks I got uh the Newmark Blue Dog DJ in a box set right right maybe you guys can put a picture maybe if we can find it (laughs) you will I'll send it to you there we go and they were I mean no shots fired at Newmark but they weren't very good right the mixer was the mixer the fader started bleeding quite heavily pretty right. quickly right. however i was a garage dj back then that's right. how i started i actually yeah. wasn't into hip hop at all when i first started i was into garage where i was from you were at that age and at that time it was like 97 you were either into drum and bass or you were into garage yeah. Yeah. i was into garage and um i learned to mix on those turntables and i learned to mix pretty well on those turntables yeah. um you know, there were the kind of decks where if you push the platter, Bell that drive. thing won't stop. Bell drive. It will like, just yeah. keep going. Yeah. And it was actually a really good, it was really good practice for yeah. when I actually got good turntables because yeah. Yeah. it was, it, it made it a lot easier yeah. because you were more in control of the platter. Yeah. Um, so, I just want to interject there. Does that, do you think that helps if a DJ learns, you know, what people would maybe consider the hard way or, you know, without aids, in the beginning, you know, do you think that yeah. can make a better DJ in the long run? Do you, are you grateful for having I to learn you, on yeah. this equipment? You're, you're, was... you're less reliant on the, the equipment available, I suppose, aren't yeah. you? If, if, definitely. Yeah. It helped me. Yeah. It definitely helped me because I spent about two years mixing garage music on those turntables. Yeah. And then two years after that, I got, I got, I think I'm remembering this right. I, I got rid of both of those decks and I got one Technics 1200. So I had one Technics 1200 and one Gemini mixer at this point. Mm. And because I only had one deck, I just learned to scratch for like a year. And that's all I did because that's all I could do. Um, And then a year after that, I got another 1200 and then I started learning to like do doubles and things like that. It definitely helped me for sure. Were you watching anyone at the time or... or um, aware of any other DJs that were in that turntablist side of the industry? Were you inspired by any at that point? Yeah, so in fact, going back a little bit more again, 
when I was about 14 years old, um, something really lucky happened to me. And that is I went to a, a shop and DMC used to own a magazine called Seven. I don't know if you remember it. Okay. So DMC used to own a magazine called Seven. And I saw this magazine and it came with a free VHS of like a highlight reel of DMC things. Right, like okay, that, yeah? yeah. And I bought it. And I, I, I was just like, that is what I'm going to do. That yeah. is what I'm going to practice. That's what I'm going to spend yeah, yeah. all my time doing. So it's, I'm very lucky that that happened because yeah. that that um, shifted me from playing garage music and I just went down that route. It's and I just, tabulous. all I did was learn to scratch and yeah. learn to juggle and learn to make routines. Yep. And Amazing. have you, entered, did you enter some competitions back then? Yeah. So about a year after I got that video, I decided, I, I became really obsessed after that with DMC videos and right. I bought them all and I watched them constantly over yeah, that, and over again. That was the YouTube of your, uh, of yeah. your, your era. Uh, yeah, because uh, obviously, DJing. like, obviously YouTube didn't exist back then. I don't want to sound like an old man. <laughs> no, no, didn't but, exist it's, back then, but it's, it's the same. Yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. thing, really. So I watched those videos constantly and there was one resource on the internet that explained, I can't remember what it was called now, unfortunately, but it explained certain scratch techniques and it explained how to do them. Right. That was yeah. a big help. So I learned how to transform. I learned how to do chirps and flares and right. orbits. But mostly I just watched these DMC videos. Yeah. So we're talking the 99 UK and world final, um, the 98 UK and world final, um, and I was watching the Scratch Perverts. I was watching Craze. Like ep, pretty yeah. much every DJ Everyone on those videos through. inspired me. Yeah. yeah. Even the one of the first DJs on in the 1999 World Final, a guy called DJ JK, one of my favorite routines ever. And I just yeah. studied every single routine and really? just tried to apply it to what I was doing. And then when I was 15, this would have been 2001, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to enter the DMCs. So I entered the London Heat in... Yeah. May 2001, I was 15 years old and it was at Cafe de Paris in London. Amazing, legendary. And back then, what happened was you would enter a heat and literally anybody could enter. Yeah. And they would have an afternoon session where every DJ who's entered does three minutes and then they pick 10 to perform that evening in the London final. So I entered it and I got to the London final. I was on first, so I only just got through. Right. But because I was 15, I wasn't allowed to be in the club. Ah, so okay. they kept me in a back room. Um, they kept me in a back room. I did my set. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. Tony Vegas was judging, and that was the first time I met him. Tony and me are really good friends now, but that was the first time we, that we met. And fortunately for me, after I did my set, the the manager said, okay, you can go and sit on the balcony and watch the competition. <laughs> um, and Scully won the London Heat that year with okay. with a great set. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that they let me watch that because yeah. it would have been, because I was so into it back then, it would have right. been a torture to not be able to watch those DJs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fortunately I watched it. And I actually have some camcorder footage of that somewhere, but cool. it's at my mum's. <laughs> nice. So Amazing. moving forward, um, where did we go from there? Obviously you're entering the DMCs. It's a big thing at that time and you're only 15 years old. What's the next step in, in, in a DJ career for, for you at that, at we, that were point? You, were you DJing in clubs and, and things like that? Or? No, not at that age. No. I, I became utterly obsessed with yeah. doing better. Yeah. Like in hindsight, I it was a little bit of a knockback getting yeah. to the London final 
and kind of not being ready for that and right. like the set was okay yeah. but it actually it, it spurred me on to just go for it yeah. and then i entered it again the following year and i quite literally spent the entire year practicing right yeah entered it again the next year and i actually got to the uk final Amazing. and just just that i came second in the london heat yeah and just getting to the uk final for me was like oh my god i've been watching these videos for like two three four years yeah and that was a dream come true, just yes. getting to the UK final. So I was in the UK final. Set was okay. There are parts of that set that I watch back now and I'm really happy with. Amazing. Like, nice. Um, and I came, I think I came like, this might sound odd that I know this, but <laughs> but that year um, they they put through the top six DJs to go and DJ on John Peel. Yep. So I came sixth that year and then went and DJed on John Peel. John Peel was uh, ra on Radio 1. Yeah, on yeah, Radio, Radio 1, one. Yeah. So Radio it was a live Made Avail session, which right. was, there's a recording of that on YouTube um, somewhere, but that was uh If it's on YouTube, we'll, we'll, we'll try and link it at the end. Yeah, if we'll you're watching on YouTube, that. we'll try and link that. We'll try and yeah, find at the that. end, or in the description. Yeah. So, so I got to the UK final, and I was really happy with my set, and again, it just spurred me on. I, I genuinely, at that point, started to think, I, I think I can win this in the future at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I, didn't do, I didn't do that well in school. College wasn't really of interest to me, so I, at that point, I was like, this, Focus. Is, this is my this opportunity is going to, to, do. to do something, and I'd, yeah. I really believed I could do it, even though at that moment in 2002, I wasn't, wasn't yet ready, yeah. but I knew I could do it, so I... I just went for it again. Amazing. And then the following year, I came second in the UK final. That's 2003. Right. And then the year after that, I won the UK final. Nice. Amazing. 2004. So Which determination. Is, well, a great thing we try to you know drill home and we do videos on consistency and persistence are really the two things that you can have. You can have a lot of things as a DJ and skill and everything like that. But the consistency and the persistence is what's, what will set you apart in the long run. 100% and we, totally. always, we always try to drill that home. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. Yep. So from the UK finals, where did that take you then? So obviously there was the world final. Yeah, world finals. Um, I came fourth in the world final, which Amazing. I'm pretty happy with. Amazing. Yeah, well um, If I'm being completely honest, there were the, the number one and number two. Number one was I Emerge from America and number right. two was DJ Rafik from Germany. Legend. I'm never going to be as good as them and right. I knew that. You knew that. Yeah. I knew that. I, the the UK final was my aim yeah. and yeah, I won yeah. that and then the world final it was just a case of do my set clean see what happens yeah fourth I'm happy with yeah. so how old were you roughly at this age I'm just trying to do I was maths, but I was uh 19 19 yeah, yeah cool. just turned 19 so were you playing in clubs at this time definitely so yeah. from 2003 when I was about 18 I really started to DJ in quite a lot of clubs like every yeah. weekend and I I really enjoyed that side of it um and Part of my um, determination to win the DMCs was because I knew it would help me as a club DJ. It would get me work. It would it would give but, me. But does it work both ways as well? It help you as a scratch DJ yeah. on, on learning how to read crowds and think and what's popular and things like that. Definitely, because my something I really made a point of trying to do when I entered the DMCs is I didn't want to just be another DJ who played scratch records, right. scratched with scratch records. I wanted to I wanted to use songs that people knew. Yes, absolutely. Because and and believe it or not, nobody else was doing that at the yep. time. So like in my winning set, I used Justin Timberlake, I yep. used Cameron, I yep. used Buster Rhymes. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference when you're using Big records time. that people know because they, they, can, they, they can connect with it. Yeah, they know what it sounded like before you started right. flipping it. Exactly. It just makes more sense. And also, um, my club DJ helped me with that because I knew what records worked. Amazing. Yeah. Um, 
how then did the story progress? Obviously, you're doing a lot of turntablist stuff at the time and you're working in clubs. Um, did you have a goal at that moment in time as like my next step in, in this journey? Or was it you were just going with the flow and enjoying yourself? It's interesting you say that because my entire goal was to win the UK DMCs. And yeah. when that and happened... You, you did that you, early, you yes. know, early, in the grand scheme of it. Very. So. And after I did that, I kind of didn't have a goal for right. a while, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It was, yep. it was a, a really was a dream come true yeah. to win that. And then I kind of, for quite a while, kind of thought, what do What's I do now? What's now? What's next? Mm-hmm. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, like, I did quite a few things in between winning that and being here with Serato, yeah. which we'll probably get on in, on, uh, into in yeah, a minute. We will, for sure. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I kind of didn't have a goal after that, right. which, which, was, which was tough, actually. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I, I understand that. You know, there's points in life that everyone goes through, whether you're a DJ yeah. or not, that you have to reevaluate and think, well, what is my next step mm. in, in the situation I'm in? And what am I actually working towards? Um, and it's something that we all have to overcome throughout our life in all different aspects. Um, so was there any driving factor... That, that took you to your next step? Was there anything yeah, so you did that helped yeah. you? I got a radio show on Amazing. BBC One Extra um, the same year that I won the DMCs. Cool. So um, they invited me to do a, they, they had a slot called Extra Talent, which yep. was like, it was like three till five in the morning on a Monday or something yeah, like yeah. that. It was like yeah. the worst slot. Yeah. But <laughs> they would bring in a de- an up and coming DJ who, yeah. you know, maybe could have a future in radio, right? Uh, yeah. Right. So I did that and it went quite well. And then they offered me a slot. They they changed the um, schedule so that every Monday night through to Friday night, two till 6 a.m., they had a different mix show. So like Monday was the hip hop mix show. Right. Tuesday was the drum and bass mix show, garage mix show, R&B, dance yeah. hall. Yeah. And they offered me the hip hop mix show every other week. So I did that for a year. Um, they insisted on it being live. Uh, oh, so it was two till pressure. six, but... It was only once every two weeks. Yeah. And I did that for a year. And then they offered me my own show called The Definition, which was a two-hour specialist show. Started off being 10 till 12, and then it moved to 12 till 2. Yeah. Did that for two years, and then that ended in 2007. Yep. And then DJ Hero came along. I know you want to get into We're gonna that. We're going to get into this because yeah, I'm yeah, so excited to talk this. about this. Is this a story time or is this... Is this just... Should we go into it? Because we, we're at this point now. So yeah. should we go into it? So let's get into, into a story, story time. time. Story time. Okay, so this is the opportunity, Blakey, to let everyone know about... You know, I'm really excited to hear this story Yeah, ja- well, well, Jamie told me this a few... When we first met a few weeks ago and... I was like, I need to know more about this. So this is a perfect time to talk about yeah, DJ Hero. Yeah, cool. go for it. Let so, everyone know what DJ Hero is yeah. in case they don't know. And yeah. then, yeah. So DJ Hero was a video game. Um, it was by Activision, the same company that made Guitar, Guitar Hero. Hero. And it was a, a spin-off of Guitar Hero. It came around very randomly as quite a few things in my career seem to have done buying that magazine that had the video yeah. attached. Like it came around very randomly. My friend, Tony Vegas from the scratch perverts knew a guy who, uh, was speaking to somebody who needed somebody to do some scratching for an upcoming video game. At that point, it was just an idea. Right. Um, Tony at that time couldn't do it. So he put them in touch with me. Cool. And it turned into a three year job, wow. like a three year day job, which is kind of, 
crazy. Kind of crazy. Crazy. Working for like an American corporation. I had like a pension was you ba- plan. Was you based here? You st- yeah, it was in London. In London, yeah. yeah. So I had like a pension plan. I had like <laughs> private healthcare. It was really quite bizarre when like my, my job title was Scratch DJ. Right. And that's probably, you were probably one of the only people in the world that had a, a, an official uh, corporate job title as, as a DJ? Scratch DJ. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You yeah. know, was, that is crazy. crazy. Um, and Activision were pouring so much money into marketing that game. I don't know if you remember the TV advert. I do remember the TV. It was, yeah. it was Eminem and Jay-Z. It was. Yeah. Which is yeah, <laughs> Crazy money. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, we were working with so many dope DJs, like DJ AM we were working with, yep. um, Grandmaster Flash, yeah. Scratch Perverts, Jazzy Jeff. And actually, this is, um, this is when I first got in touch with Serato because Sam Gribben, who used to be the CEO of Serato at that time, he came to the studio where we were making the music. Right, yeah. And he laced us with a ton of Serato equipment, loads of mixers, loads of boxes, um, and... Serato were actually put in the game as well. So the DJs that were using the turntables were using Serato. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy time. It was a crazy <laughs> whirlwind time. It was so. It was, so day to day, you're just coming up with different scratch routines. Yeah, just like cutting up records. Cutting up records. I mean, <laughs> it sounds crazy now to say that. Just yeah. just cutting up records. Yeah. I, w- I was also involved in some of the marketing for the game. Like, yeah. I flew to San Francisco. I flew to. Australia, flew to New York, like tons of places to promote the game. Yeah. But for the most part, I was just in a studio <laughs> or an office rather in Brick Lane, yeah. cutting up pop records. So Amazing. I've got to say, I've watched a YouTube video yeah. uh, of you breaking down one of them. Cool. Um, which I'm definitely going to link. Yeah, in the yeah description. cool. Link um, it's was it, really was cool it, to see the process. Like, so was it for DJ Hero 1 or DJ Hero 2? I cannot remember. But someone's interviewing go, go, go you. And, go and check it out. Yeah, type yeah, in. Type someone's in. interviewing you and you're kind of breaking down some of the elements. You've got the, I think the TTM 57 yeah. SL or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mixer. And were you using Ableton Bridge at the time um, or not? A little bit. Yeah. To record the so stems in or something. The way, the way it worked, we were in a, an office stroke studio in Brick Lane, East London. And I was doing all the scratching or, you know, all of the scratching. Or, yeah, all of the scratching that wasn't done by the guest DJs, AM, Jazzy Jeff, etc. Yeah, yeah. um, and there was a team of like 10 or so uh, remixers who were making the music for the levels in Ableton Live, and then they would liaise with me, and I would do cuts over their over their projects. Right. Um, so we were using Ableton, but we used the bridge a bit. Um, so it was there. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, how does it translate to the video game then? So you're creating cuts, and then if someone does something on the video game, does it replay your cuts, or are they trying so, to follow along with your cuts with buttons? Yeah, trying to follow along. So yeah. basically, it's quite cool, really. So they obviously made the mixes in Ableton just like you would a DJ mix, audio, yeah. cutting up audio. But then all of the inputs in the game, like all of the button presses, all of the crossfader movements, that was just written in a MIDI piece of MIDI oh, on, right. the, on the Ableton project. Yeah. So they'd be making the mix as audio and at the bottom they would have the MIDI. Yes. They'd, ha- they'd have like the button presses. The cro- there, there actually aren't that many moves. It's yeah. three buttons three and a crossfader. Buttons. Yeah. yeah. So that was just done in MIDI. So the guys, the remixers that were working at that studio did did all of that. And then obviously they liaised with the game designers to make sure that it played well. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Nice. Super cool. Um, you mentioned it was the first time you met Serato at that point. Was that the first time you'd been on Serato or were you familiar with the Serato concept and software and yeah. DVS and things? Of course, yeah. I was already using it. Yeah. I was yeah. actually, it felt to me when I adopted DVS in about 2006, 2007, which seems like a hell of a long time ago, it actually felt to me like I was quite late to the party because all of my peers, pretty much, especially in hip hop, were, were already using DVS. So, yeah. I started using it around 2006, 2007. And were you using it in clubs as well as yeah. just uh, just for every set pretty much? I was, yeah. I mean, it, Serato still amazes me. It's an incredible yeah. thing. It but is. back then it was like I'd spent so many hours and so many years of my life Drugging. doing things that I could now do with the press of a button. Yeah. And it just blew it just blew my mind I, for I a couple of years. I personally remember that revelation when I saw somebody else using Serato. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this was when I was just using CDs and CDJs. But just, just the, being able to load a song so quickly yeah. and yeah. then be able to save hot cues and things, it, yeah. all of that just blew my mind when I first saw it. I was yeah. like, this is voodoo. Like, it's crazy. Totally. So. Not, like, not having to go back to my car to drag another two crates to yeah. the club yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I would spend a good proportion of my days before DVS yeah. stickering my records. Right. Yeah. Putting stickers through the hole to make sure the hole wasn't too big. Yeah. Stickers on the record so that I could just put the needle on the sticker, drag the needle along the sticker so it's in the right groove, whereas now you Crazy. literally do that. Do that. And yeah. it blew my mind for a long time. Amazing. Nice. Okay, so we've talked about DJ Hero. Um, moving forward from there, you have just mentioned that that was the first time you met Serato, but I'm guessing there's a transition here from uh, finishing working with on DJ Hero and then... You know, what What was the next part of the story and where does Serato come into the story? So, um, I started working for Serato in May 2017, so nearly, nearly three years ago. Yep. But in the years prior to that, yep. I was DJing for a living. Not at the highest level. I was DJing um, at a kind of mid-level, you know, yep. and I was doing gigs every Friday, every Saturday without fail. And I was maybe doing one or two during the week. And I did that for three or four years leading up to getting the Serato job. And okay. during that time, I have, I'd been waiting for the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And then it came and I, I, I knew I have to get this. For sure. This is it. I have to get this job. Did you, nice. did you see it advertised or did somebody reach out to you or was it a bit of both? Or? So uh, my colleague, Baptiste, who is the business development manager, he lives in Barcelona. He, um, he got in touch. Um, there's actually a guy called Nikhil who works for Mixcloud, one of the founders of Mixcloud. I've known Nikhil for many years. Okay. He actually got in touch with me with the job description because it wasn't advertised. It was sort yeah. of passed around the industry. Yeah. Do you know someone suitable? And Nikhil emailed it to me and said, I think you'd be great for this. Would you like me to put you in touch with Baptiste? Um, I, I already knew Baptiste because I had actually, I've done quite a bit of work with Serato, um, you know, freelance before getting this job. If you, if you go on YouTube, there's a ton of videos that I've done for Pioneer and for Serato between sort of 2010 and 2015. Yeah. Didn't just, just to interject quickly, didn't you do an official launch video for was it a controller? Yeah, yeah. I did the official launch video for the DDJ S1, which cool. is a very forgotten yeah. Serato controller. Yeah. Scratch Live controller. Yeah. Which is a crazy in sentence the, to say. Yeah. Scratch Live <laughs> yeah. controller. Scratch but yeah. Live. Um, and then I did the official launch video for the DDJ SX. Cool. Nice. Um, 
The DDJ-S1 was a cool controller, but the DDJ-SX, when that came out, that that actually switched me to controllers. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love, love, still love that controller. And yeah. I, just, I started using that controller as my main well, that controller basically launched what we now know as the controller market yeah, pretty well, much. The DJSX was Serato DJ 1.0. Yeah. That's what Serato DJ launched yeah. with. And, you know, it's come yeah. on a, a there we hell go. of a long way. <laughs> um, so, shall we have some, some fun questions just to break yeah, it up a bit? So I, we, I, yeah, we reached out on Instagram and we thought, let's get some questions from the public. So, let's get into it. So... At DJ Llewellyn asks, is there any streaming services coming to Serato? Now, we get, every day we get asked about streaming services and we've done loads and loads of videos on what, you know, who uses streaming services, where it's going in the future. Yeah, what's your thoughts on streaming? Have you ever used a streaming service with yeah. anything? Or? I use it at most of my gigs. Yeah. Um, a lot of the gigs I do are residencies. Yeah. So they are venues that I'm familiar with. Right. They're venues where I know the Wi-Fi is decent or I've connected to their personal Wi-Fi. And I use it now. I did two gigs on the weekend, yeah. two quite different gigs. The first gig was at a private members club, which is the kind of place where you could really do with having access to everything. Yep. Um, and the second gig was um, at a five-star hotel where it's just old school hip hop on a Sunday. Cool. And like, I can play music there that I can't play anywhere else. Like little, little brother B-sides, right? right? Now I've got a lot of little brother tracks, but yeah. I don't have all little brother tracks. <laughs> right. So being able to just yeah, yeah. type stuff in is awesome. I love it. Like we all, we all know it's coming like as a standard. I think it's, I don't think the infrastructure is there right now. No. But streaming is there right now. I use it all the time. What's your go-to at the moment? Is it Tidal? Tidal. Yeah. Tidal. Tidal is... So currently supported Tidal and SoundCloud. SoundCloud, yeah. Go. Tidal is more suitable to my style of DJing. For sure. Um, but yeah, SoundCloud and Tidal are there. Um, is there any more coming? I believe there are no plans to right now. Yeah. But the thing is, you've got to remember, it's not... It's not always up to Serato how these course, things work. Yeah. It's yeah, up yeah, to yeah. it's up to the record labels. It's For up sure. to the publishers, yeah. you know. But I I hope to see more. Nice, cool. Uh, Amir asks: Is Serato better for learning to mix by ear? Which I think he means, you know, should you learn to mix by ear before? You know, people look at waveforms now and things like that. Should you have to learn by ear? Is it a good thing to know, or what do you think now in this day and age? If I'm being completely yeah. honest, I think if you're if you take today's technology, like okay, if you want to learn to mix by ear, just learn with vinyl. If you're going to be using software and yeah. you have tools that you can use and you're learning to mix by ear, I might get a lot of stick for this, but I think that's a waste of time. I agree. I really do. I, I don't see the point of that. Um, you know, learning because to, it's not going anywhere, is it? <laughs> no, like mi mixing, just beat matching two songs together yeah. is now a redundant skill. That is not what makes you a good DJ. I agree. What makes you a good no. DJ is what you play, when you play it, the timing of how you play it. Yeah, That's yeah. what makes you a good DJ. Sure. Selection. I, I say this all the time, but I would rather be at a party where a DJ is playing the perfect songs on iTunes yeah. than be at a party where the DJ has all the technical ability, but the songs are whack. Yeah. Big I'd time. rather be at the first party. I agree. 100%. I, agree. I, I do want to say though, I think things like beat matching and just the, just the basics of mixing, the things that you can only do on turntables, mix two songs together, use your basic EQs and beat matching. I think it's, it's a foundation that um, people need to understand, even if yeah. they don't perfect it. They yeah. need to understand it because at the end of the day, to use technology, 
and to use syncs and, and to, to trust in grids. You've got to trust that that technology is actually doing what it's meant to do. Yeah. I think that's a fair comment. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think there are times when it doesn't analyze a grid, right? Yeah, you that's know, true. There's yeah. people that are like, why is it analyzed at 70 BPM when I know it's 140 BPM? Yeah. And actually they need to learn that to learn. it's a half time. And there's this things like that that you can get tricked out by software sometimes as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, I think it's just a really good skill to understand even if you don't perfect it. Yeah, I would say that if somebody wants to do that, just learn to mix two records together. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. that... Yeah. that it, it takes away any aids or any aids, distractions. Yeah. Yeah. Of, and, and listen, like, I, I learned to do what I did with turntables because I loved doing it. There right. is nothing in yeah. the world that I would rather have been spending that time doing. Yeah. So like, if that's your, um, if that's your drive, then do it Go because it. Yeah. it will give you a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. Ideal. Next one is from at Col Salvatore is what is the biggest difference between Serato and record books? Um, probably that you can export to USB from Recordbox. Right. Um, in terms of Recordbox DJ, which is the performance software, I couldn't say because I've I've never just I've never Serato. spent time using Recordbox DJ. Yeah. So although I will say this, um Recordbox DJ has some pretty cool library things that you can do. Right. But um you know, other than that I couldn't really Your answer to be honest. It's personal preference as well, whatever you get comfortable with. Uh, next question, which is the last one, is at Gunarant is with standalone controllers becoming more popular, how will Serato ensure its future? I think he's talking about yeah, standalone controllers with the built-in software. Yeah, Denon have obviously just dropped a load. Of- Denon have the Engine Prime software built into their standalone softwares. Is that something you see Serato doing, or is it a good feature? What do you think? I think eventually something will come along. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that there's no plans for this right now, but yeah. something will come along that will enable DVS standalone. I think yeah. that will probably yeah. happen. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Yeah. See, this is, a, this is a thing is when we're talking about standalone units, um, we're talking about a, a portion of the market. You're talking about mobile DJs, event DJs, and, you know, still club equipment, but yeah. it's very much that the turntablist side of the market are still wanting to play on vinyl. Even though it's DVS, they still want, you know, that vinyl feel. Yeah. And that's where I think standalone isn't there yet. And this Absolutely. is where, you know, I think Serato, um, that there's an opportunity for maybe Serato yeah. to look at how yeah. um, they can I mean, I'm, find a solution to that. I'm, I'm honestly not privy to any conversations about that whatsoever, but I do know that the people that are directing Serato, yeah. very smart people, and they will they'll have ideas about where the future's going, you know? Yeah. But I'd love to see a standalone DVS mixer or whatever it would, it would cool. end up being. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Have you got any teasers for us for Serato Future? I know you can't any say exclusives? much. Any exclusives? Any <laughs> exclusive things that you can the short answer. At? The short answer is no. <laughs> the, the, or about the vinyl we, you've just shown right. us. Everyone that's listening, we, we tried. We tried to get something yeah. out. Yeah, the, the short answer is no, but the long diplomatic slightly frustrating answer for your listeners is that i was in auckland in november and i saw all the things that are coming this year and it's going to be a great year amazing so right so we know that we know something is coming that's i mean that's exclusive without a doubt um there's there's some really exciting stuff in the music production um side of things that serato do as well serato studio is a really great product now um it's it's yeah there's, there's yeah. lots it's of evolving fast coming, really oh, yeah. fast like yeah. it, i think it only came out a year ago 
and it is a different product to yeah. what it was a year ago. So yeah. there's a lot of evolution happening there. But um, there, this is probably going to frustrate your listeners, but <laughs> I was shown some things with Serato in in Auckland in November, yeah. and it it was it really excited me. Like yeah. for somebody who has been using Serato for years and years and years, the things that they showed me changes the workflow and the way you use Serato on a day-to-day basis. Cool. Sorry, I can't say no, that. No, that's you know fine. What? I mean, that's, that that's is exciting. exciting anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's nice it's to know that there's some big changes coming as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be tentatively waiting on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I've, I've already seen it and I'm genuinely really excited about it. I, that's want, I want to use it. Yeah. I mean, just going back to that, how involved are you with feedback and things that are around new features in Serato. Yeah. You know, yeah, I know your job role is very much around artist relations, but do you get any say in, in those features? Yeah, I mean, that's part of my job to right. pass on yeah. Because well, you're, you're, the, you're the closest one to the DJ, I assume. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that, your, your input is so valuable. That's it. Like, I, I pass on feedback from the artists, and Serato are really, really good at listening to that stuff. Yeah. Especially with new products, like the things that... The, the, the feedback we get for Serato Sample and Serato Studio, like that really gets listened to and it really influences what goes in it. Nice. Same with Serato DJ as well. Cool. Um, what's your favourite feature in Serato at the yeah. moment? Time of recording this. I, I've always loved Sticker Lock. Oh, right, right yeah. yeah. I love Sticker Especially Lock. Especially as a turntable. Love Just it. break down what that, as best as you okay, can cool. describe it without, obviously it's hard, without so showing someone. But I, I will break it down, but um, I, I would like to mention as well that there's a new Serato record that is if not out now, probably out by the time this goes out. Yeah. Uh, it's a sticker lock record. So it's a clear record and it comes with a sheet of stickers so that you can sticker the underside of the record right. and set it up with sticker lock. But what sticker lock is, is it allows you to set up a Serato record with a sticker yep. so that once you turn it on in settings and make sure that play from first cue point is ticked, if you have the record stopped and the needles on it, you load a song in and it will play the first cue point when the sticker is at uh, 12, o'clock 12 o'clock or wherever you've set it. I'm a 12 o'clock person. Yeah. So you can, you'd be DJing with vinyl and you'll just leave it, leave the record there, load the song in and you know without having headphones or without pressing the hot cue that the first cue point is at 12 o'clock. And it just makes DJing with really DVS cool. so much. It sounds like a very simple thing, but the, the experience of using it yeah. just makes DJing a lot nicer. And I think that's one of the biggest hidden features. It really is. Serato. Yes. And how really long has is. it been around? A while, and, here's the a thing while. As, and here's the thing as well. That is part of my job. Part of my job is to make sure that people are aware of all yeah. of these features that are a little bit underused. Yeah. Flip being another one. Yeah. Yep. awesome feature I yeah. love Flip but the, I like Flip uh, but the, the amount of times I show Flip to DJs and they're like oh that's really cool I didn't know that was there that's part of my job to spread that message and make sure that people understand these features and Sticker Lock being a big one yeah I think we need to cover Sticker Lock because yeah, we haven't sure. and, and we it haven't, is no. a great feature so yeah well uh, the fact that this vinyl is coming out is a great opportunity for you to do that Ideal. great stuff um, okay so what one piece of advice would you give to a DJ that's just starting out get out there and and yep. do gigs because yep. the the majority of DJs the vast majority of the DJ, of DJs the kind of gigs that they will be doing they will be playing at places where they need to react to who's in front of them what's happening in front of them and that only comes from experience um so you just need to get out there and do gigs and work out what works study people's reaction to what you're playing 100% that would be my bit, my, a, my advice a bit like from you know your early days as a DJ when you were doing 
the battle routines yeah. in your bedroom and then you went out and played out there. Yes. It changes your vision. and Totally. The fact that I yeah. did a lot of club work before I actually won the DMC. Yeah. They're, they're, that they're, helps. That's no coincidence. For yeah. sure. Okay, so let's flip it. What piece of advice would you give to an experienced or advanced DJ, someone that is working in, in clubs regularly, you know, is there any advice you could give there? Understand what you're using. So like right. if you are using software, you know, take the time to, to learn everything about it. Um, yeah. And also, I would also say on that same note, um, if you're using a computer to DJ with software, there are, there are certain things about computers that you, that you should really understand. You should understand what a driver is and why it's necessary. You should understand what firmware is, yep. why an operating system is necessary. Because before I started in this role with Serato, I remember maybe five years ago, I had an issue with my computer and I got in touch with Serato support and they asked me, what operating system are you on? Da, da, da. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, why does that matter? Yeah, and it really does. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's it's probably one of the the most common questions we get in email form to just to our contact page. People emailing to try and troubleshoot why softwares aren't working or why controllers aren't working with software, and it does usually always come down to you know what got to ask using? those yeah. questions. What are you using? Um, I mean, what would you say to someone who's having trouble with with a controller or with the Serato software, what is the best course of action to take first and Hit foremost? Hit up our support team. We've got, a, we've got a support team who are mostly based in New Zealand, but we also have people around Europe now and around the world. So all time zones are covered. They work weekends as well. Our support team is something that really sets us apart as a company. Our support team is awesome. I, th I think there is a misconception of companies like Serato where they think an email is just going to get lost in yes. with, with some of the kind of faceless company. Yeah, where, and, it, and it really doesn't. Which, like they are, yeah. they are dope. Absolutely. And like, you know, I've, I've heard stories where somebody will hit up support, support will get back to them, but then they won't reply to support and support will hit them up five times. Yeah, saying, so how you, you know, know, yeah, exactly. You, like, yeah. honestly, they're dope and they don't get enough credit. So shout out to Amazing. the support team. Nice. Tune of the week. Tune of the week. So for every podcast, we do a segment just picking yeah. our favorite tune of the week. And I always do this thing where I quickly whip out my phone and get Spotify open. Um, I'll go first. Have, have you guys I've got, got one, yeah. It's yeah. from a producer that I'm really loving at the minute. He started off making kind of UK baseline. Um, I believe he's signed to somebody big. I think maybe Guetta or something like that. But he's a guy called Distinct and the tune is called Spice. And uh, it's it's kind of electronic beat. It's, it's stemmed from bass, but it's, it's about 100 BPM. It uses a Spanish sample and like the drop is crazy drop. So Distinct Spice is my tune of the week. You got one? Yeah, so I'm going to break the rule slightly. This, this, <laughs> this came it. out like six months That's ago. Fine. But the reason I'm picking it is yeah. because you know those songs that you always go back to. You yeah. listen to new stuff and you're like, I want to hear that song. Sure. It came out like six months ago, but I absolutely love the track from Kano's last album called Class R of Deja. Amazing song. I love that track. Amazing. And I keep finding myself going back to that track. Kano is amazing on it. Getz is amazing on it. Sure. DWE is amazing. I love DWE. You did you see that Ikea advert that DWE well, did? Perfect. I've watched it a hundred times. Christmas one. I love it. <laughs> um, and I love the beat. I just love that track. And it's the kind of song that I just don't get to play out. There's no gig yeah. I do where that would be suitable. Nice. Maybe that's got something to do with why I love it so much, but I love that track. I enjoyed the whole album because it came out around summertime and I was traveling yeah. a lot between the islands and I was just listening to it on the plane yeah. over and over again. Yeah, nice. I, I love that track. It does something to me. Yep. Okay, mine is De Detroit Swindle and Tom Meesh. Yeah. Yes, no, Tom maybe. Meesh. Two of my favorite Tom, producers. Tom Meesh, I'm going to yeah. say. Tom Meesh. Singer-songwriter. Yeah. So, but it's really cool. It's like a, it's almost like a disco record. It's just, it's got that house influence, but it's got the soulfully kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's, it just 
got me feeling good. Any producers um, out there, there's a great video of Tom Meesh making a 10 minute beat. And yeah, just go and have a look at the talent of the guy. He's amazing. Okay, so we're coming towards the end of the podcast today. Very insightful. It has been very insightful. And and I've just got to say a huge shout out and a big, big thank you to yourself, Blakey. Blakey. Thanks for coming, man. Um, It's always nice to link up face to face. Obviously, there's a lot of emails go on in the industry and and it's all quite close knit, you know, in where we are with Crossfader and different manufacturers and hardware, software manufacturers, but it's always nice to see people face-to-face. Um, I know you've just been out at NAM recently, so I'm yep. guessing you've seen a lot of the industry yep. um, in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love that new Pioneer 6 channel. I spent yeah. I spent a good half an hour with that thing, yeah. and it's beautiful. The filters, like the we filters are different that. to any filter we on any Pioneer. That. It's beautiful, yeah. and I want one here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I was the same. I, I was really... When I unboxed it, when they sent us one, I was like, oh, this is, this it is looks big. like a headache. Yeah. It's, you know, it's big. It looks really complex. But actually, once you get started on yeah. it, I, I fell in love with it very, one very One thing quickly. I will say is I would love to see a four-channel version. Yeah, so sure. and, and I I'd love that. it's got to be done. Four-channel, yeah. two-channel. It's I, got to be. I'd love that to become the next 900 Nexus 2. Yeah. I'd love to see that in clubs. If I turn up to a club and they had that mixer, I'd oh, be yeah. buzzing. Yeah. I think they, they should have brought out a four-channel version first. Yeah, maybe. And yeah. then maybe gone for a You never channel. know. They might be working on one. I hope so. If you're listening, Pioneer, I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank Remember, you so much, Blakey. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop a comment below. You know, if you want to shout out Serato, ask them any questions. We like to hear back from the community as always and hear what you guys are thinking about the software and the updates that are coming and um, yeah remember to check out the website we are crossfader.co.uk yep. you can go to the forum area and suggest topics for future podcasts yeah. and yeah a big thank you thanks again. again thank you no problem all right take it easy bye bye <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>